0: Welcome to another episode of Three Wheeling, the podcast where we talk about making friends in our 30s and the things we've been enjoying recently. My name's Laurel Henning. I'm a Sydney-based journalist and joining me via the wonders of technology is my wonderful friend, Sasha Kelly. Hi, Sasha. Hello. How
1: are you? I feel like I've been spoilt for Laurel time this week because I stayed with you last night. No, two nights ago. Um, so I just feel like I've really had a Laurel fix this week, which has been lovely. Thank
0: you. Yeah, but it also made it feel quite surreal when we logged on to this call this evening. I was like, weren't you just in the other room a second ago?
1: I was only moments ago. I was there. I was there. And gosh, what a debacle it was getting home. But let's not get sidetracked (laughs) so early.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell me, have you been making friends? I have.
1: And actually, as I I had a note for something else, but I've had a very social week. So first of all, I started my long awaited pottery class on Monday.
0: Oh, we're all here for it. We're was ready to go. Thrilling,
1: um, And everyone was very, very friendly. Just delightful class. I'm really thrilled I'm doing it. I think we've talked about this before, but what I find so refreshing is I'd done a taster class a couple of months ago and I probably under a false illusion was like, I'm a natural at this. I'm going to be brilliant because I do like making things with my hands and I like being creative. But obviously, you know, when you do a taster class, they want you to think you're brilliant. And then when you enroll (laughs) in the 10 week class, they kind of point out a few more of the bad habits you might be forming um so I think the big realization for me has been that that pottery is actually quite difficult um but I think that's as someone who is a reformed uh maybe not completely reformed but as a child I very much didn't want to do anything that I wasn't very good at
0: Mm, I hear that
1: yes and so I feel like I've been reformed from that journey in my life Uh, and so it's really important to me that I persevere with pottery and that I uh, try to improve and just uh, systematically work at just improving my skills every week. The other thing I'm going to quickly say is that I went to a conference on Tuesday and I think it was a combination of always being slightly shy around new people, because I think unless I'm performing or unless I have like a role to sit into, uh, I find it very hard to kind of just be myself and naturally make friends. But I think that's something that lots of people share. Like that's not an unusual state of being, but also that paired with the pandemic where I really don't feel like I've been in that situation for a couple of years it's been a long time since I've been in a, um environment where I've had to kind of introduce myself and just walk up to someone and say, you know, as you're making coffee, like, oh, who are you here with? And and you're just staring at their ma- name badge. But um...
0: <laughs> the, small, the, small, the small talk muscle, flexing oh, that small talk yeah. muscle, it's hard.
1: And, you know, I'm okay. I, I think I'm actually quite good at small talk in the sense of when it's, Oh, you know, oh, isn't the weather nice today? Oh, how, what did you have for breakfast? Blah, 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 like having a chat. But it's that it's the initial connection where you're all standing in a line or you're all waiting at the coffee table and you can make the choice
0: to pick up yeah. your phone or talk. And there's a crucial time window, I think, with that as well, when you're at the coffee machine or when perhaps you're close to a a circle of people at a conference. And there is a gap at the high table that you Mm -hmm. can go and balance your coffee on top of beside them. But if you dawdle just that little bit too long, you're then just a socially awkward person standing nearby that group of people rather than someone that everyone's kind of aware of and is ready to welcome in. And it's a really hard thing to, to navigate that sort yeah. of uh, that balance of time
1: because I pride myself on my small talk when it comes to if you invited me to a party and you said Sasha this is Jeremy I mean I'm just picking Jeremy out of you're a at hat. someone's
0: wedding or something yeah like, and yeah, someone very, introduces
1: yeah. me and then you have to be like Jeremy like who are your kids who are you married to what school did you go to what university what do you do for job you know I can make conversation out of nothing but it's just that kind of Oh, I have a choice here. I can I can look at Instagram on my phone or I can present myself as a fully formed human who wants to be interesting. And actually, this is very tangential and I realise I've been talking for a good five minutes about myself. Lots
0: of arm movements going yes. on here.
1: But I read I've been reading Flex Mommy's book um called The Success Experiment. And she's very into self-help and it's kind of like an amalgamation of all these different um, self-help books that she's read and she's uh, kind of written more as a memoir. But she talks about the idea that, you know, you're always, you know, your insecurities of people thinking, oh, she's a loser or she's alone or something. She said, that's all in your Mm -hmm. head. You have the choice to walk up and make an impression. And I was standing there at the function and I thought – no, I all these insecurities running through my head right now of like these people don't want to talk to me, they don't know who I am. I thought, no, I have the choice to walk up to them and introduce themselves and present myself as a you know, not even intelligent, but just warm. <laughs> interested I'm not even, I'm not I'm even to someone. <laughs> I just want a friend I thought I can just smile be genuine about my compliments and introduce myself and let them take it where they need to be and it really it worked once I kind of geared myself up like that then I you know it snowballs too because you talk to one person and they go oh here's my only other friend anyway I don't necessarily recommend networking, uh, you know, conferences as like a great old time because they're exhausting, but I did uh, go crazy on LinkedIn yesterday adding all these people.
0: Oh, Since- it's like the, like the grown-up version of Facebook after a night out when you're at university and adding everyone it going is. to LinkedIn. It is, and <laughs> you know what the
1: other part is, is that I walked in the room and there was about 10 people who I definitely knew who they were through reputation alone. You know when you suddenly go, oh, I've looked at your LinkedIn, I've looked at your website, I've looked at your you know credits on your podcast, I know your face. They have no idea who you are and you go, how socially appropriate is it to – Kind of say, just walk
0: and be like, Oh, hello, good to see you.
1: I'm a big fan. And, you know, there's certain people in the podcasting world who you can say, I'm a big fan because they are genuinely famous. And then there's other people where it's like, Well, you must be really into podcasts to know who I am. Anyway, I feel like I've been in a dearth of networking events or, or friendship making events for years. You know, we've been having this podcast talking about how we're trying to make friends. And then all of a sudden, everything's come along at once. So that's a very long entry into what's going on with me. Laurel, how have you been making
0: Well, I just wanted to pick up on the thing that you said as well about being Uh at a conference and then one person (gasps) saying, oh, here's the other person that I came along with because that's what I've been reflecting on this week in terms of friend making. And it is something that we've talked about before, but I think, and and it definitely goes into our general theme of making friends in your 30s can often feel a lot like dating because I feel like I had an experience recently where... um, having said I would do this for ages with a friend of a friend we finally planned and played a round of tennis and it was great a round of tennis a game of tennis a game of tennis and Sasha knows I love tennis <laughs> and have played tennis for a very long time but um I haven't always had like a consistent person to play with since I've moved to Sydney and it was just really lovely to play with uh, Carla who I know through another friend Thea and I think Thea will be listening to this, so she'll enjoy that link. If Carla doesn't hear this, I think Thea will. <laughs> and um, and just that sort of friend of friend and then them becoming a friend of yours. How many times can I say friend in the friend-making <laughs> segment? But also that feels really similar to the idealised version of dating, which is is hard to come by nowadays, which is, oh, my friend has this friend that you should meet. And, and that's sort of what that reminded me of. But also I was sent um, this week. We have we have correspondents out in the field. Sasha, <gasps> I tell do you, we? we really do. Yeah. My friend Beth sent me a link to a Mamma Mia article. I know you're a big fan of mm-hmm, Mamma mm-hmm. Mia. And they had done um, a sort of 10 ways to make friends as an adult. And so Beth sent this to me and she said, for the three wheelers. <gasps> so I thought, wow, our correspondent has been in touch. And uh, we must we must uh, shout that out. Um, and some of the some of the things were very much sort of things that we've discussed before in terms of you know follow your interests things like that. And I and I have to say there were quite a few entries because they were sort of people they were readers or listeners hadn't they, that had written in. Um, there were quite a few people who were like I had a baby and the babies group and I thought okay mm. <laughs> that's not that's not yeah, available like, to everyone. I'm not
1: but... <laughs> that committed to the friendship <laughs> making that I'm going to give birth.
0: To a child. yeah and also I feel like the the school gate and the baby's group can also be a really isolating place but I can understand that it hopefully is a very unifying and um an important place when you're a new mum as well um so yeah those are a couple of a couple of friend making examples for this week not completely rock solid but i'm I'm gonna go there and and yeah playing tennis was a real a joy and a I delight so I'm hoping that we can return to that but um yeah I, I think that's that's me for this segment.
1: Uh, <laughs> look, you can't make friends every single day. It would be exhausting. And you would run out of f- people. So I will give
0: it a good <laughs> I would give it a good go. I would give it a good go, but I think um another thing that you and I have been talking about recently is I'll disclose a little bit and maybe we'll edit this out later but I am in a quite new relationship and we have been talking you and I have been talking about how I am trying to make room for someone new in my life whilst also having very much invested in my friendships in Sydney and my life in Sydney and I don't want anyone to feel like I'm doing that thing of you disappearing into the relationship and at the same time you kind of have to Mm -hmm. to an extent initially and then at the same time I've made some new friends recently and those new friendships need growth and attention and love and the person I'm dating is just like you're the busiest woman I have ever met in my life Mm. and I'm like yep good yeah (laughs) I would also
1: say that that's being a active intelligent um interested woman in your 30s I don't know many single women in their 30s who are not very, very busy mm. because yeah. it's also
0: just you in your apartment on your own if you're when not. When you shut the door at the end of the day, it's yeah. You. So you. Yeah, so you become
1: busy so that you're connected. Otherwise, it's pretty tricky. Anyway.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and I just think it's really, it's really important that you don't approach your friendships when you're single as a stopgap mm. for... And then and yeah, I really resent that. And I just think uh, that's something I'm really worried about. And and so it's just been a period of like when you're talking about your pottery class, that's why I was gonna mention this. Because when you talked about that and another friend was telling me they joined a um a writer's group recently, and I was just like, Oh, I want to do all of these things and I was like, I, I I can't actually at the moment. Like that's something that's just gonna have to go on pause for a little moment, and new interests. I can just about hold on to the friends and the new relationship and the current interests that I have. But new interests, probably going to have to take a little bit of a backseat for for a short while.
1: Yeah, and that's fine. Sometimes it just goes in seasons. Anyway, let's move on to what we're consuming. What should we start with?
0: I think reading, giving... I think we should celebrate your reading, your return to reading. That's what I'd like to do. I have actually
1: returned to reading in a good way. And I'm going to recommend two things that... Well, if you follow me on Instagram... You all know that last night I had a very tricky flight back from... um,
0: Do you want to just uh, drop in your Instagram tag then so people can follow along? Is it... I think it's at smkelly.
1: I think that's me. Gosh, I should know. Um, Ah. And I've just deleted the app because I, like, not not, um, got off Instagram but just deleted it so that I'm not so addicted to it for a while because I do have a bit of an Instagram problem. Um, I'm Googling myself now just to check. I'll put my handle in the show notes so you can follow me. So, hang
0: on. For those who were already following you last night, it was a bit of a chaotic oh, time. It really was. I got stuck
1: uh, in Sydney through my own stupidity. And so what happens when you, do you do this, Laurel, when you spend a ridiculous amount of money? On something that you didn't plan plan to, <laughs> you then it's like all concept of money just goes out the window. Yes.
0: Yeah, and so sorry, mum. I know my mum will be listening to this and be like, "Oh, darling,
1: no." But yeah, I do that all the time when it's like, "Well, I've just spent upwards of four hundred dollars on something, so mm-hmm. you know what, sixty dollars on
0: books, hundred uh, percent." It all- and it all becomes really relative because I, yeah, I um, recently booked flights back to the UK for Christmas I've never spent so much money on tickets in my life a, sh- a shocking amount of money that I was almost embarrassed to say out loud to friends but it's funny because when you're looking at those prices you start to think oh well that's not that much more because mm. it's all it's all so much it's
1: all so much <laughs> and so it was that it was that I had to buy this stupid return flight for this stupid amount of money and then I went, well, I got through security and then I went, well, I'm just gonna go buy some books because I'm just what am I gonna do except read? Um my handle is Sash M. Kelly, by the way, at S A S H M Kelly. Um, but I will link it anyway. So I went to the news agent and they probably mark it up because it's an airport and they have you captive. Um and I bought the new Forbes magazine.
0: Ooh. which has
1: just launched in Australia uh it's a new you know last year I had the new magazine thing as well with the uh new the T magazine, yeah, tea magazine yeah. and Forbes so I've only really flicked through it so far but it is actually quite compelling and so that's my first recommendation I really a compelling, a magazine. compelling magazine I really enjoyed it I really liked reading it and then um the other book I've And it's fitting that we're on a Mamma Mia theme tonight. Is the content director of Mamma Mia has just written a new novel called The Couple Upstairs. Just a really good page turner. Read it on the plane, and then finished it this morning.
0: Oh wow! You are you have emerged from the. I know. Out above it, looking down at it from
1: above, and so um. Look, it's just a great holiday read or an airport read or you know when you it's not necessarily what I'd say like a sophisticated literary tome mm-hmm. but I don't really care that's not what I wanted I wanted just a really good story and I think it's also got a lot of themes that um, if you're a woman you might identify with like it's it's a, a lot about exploring um, kind of unhealthy relationships and and moving out of them and having the strength to move out of them. And then also Mm -hmm. watching other people go through them when you've learned the lesson and being frustrated at the fact that you can't just like hand over your learnings to your friends. You just have to watch them do the exact same thing. So I just found it a really good page turner.
0: And and that was the, the couple upstairs? The couple upstairs, yes.
1: And the new Forbes magazine, which I think is well worth picking up if you're in the mood. Because I got a copy of The Economist, and which I do really enjoy, but it is like a bit – it's quite dense and I do find like I have to sit and spend a bit of time with it. But the Forbes one was really glossy and fun and, you know, all the things that um, – I've, I've turned into a business nerd, but all the things that um, I loved in glossy magazines. What have you been reading, Laurel?
0: So, I am now going to heartily endorse the book that last episode I was saying, I'm reading something really good, but I need to wait until I finished it to endorse it. Yeah. This is a book called We Play Ourselves Mm. by an author called Jen Silverman. Mm -hmm. Jen, J E N for November. Obviously, it will all be in the show notes. This was a book club book for the Bad Women Book Club at Better Read Than Dead, though I could not attend in person. It fell on my birthday, um, and I was out otherwise engaged, mm. and um, and but it was, uh, it was such a good read. Also, it didn't come to me from the library until about two days before the book club, so there was just no way I was going to get through it in time. But it's about Cass, uh, who's a New York-based playwright who has recently disgraced herself in the New York theater scene, and so she runs away to LA to sort of disappear into the into the LA landscape with a friend of hers um, who... It's so funny. So I was completely challenged in all of my heteronormative and heterosexual biases when I was reading this book because from the first page, she's being picked up by a guy from the airport. And immediately I was like, oh, this guy's her boyfriend. Mm. And then within the first page, you realise that, no, he's her friend and also he's gay and she's also gay and or queer, bisexual. Yeah, and it was just... It just was really opened my brain to all of the assumptions that I bring to characters in a novel because of my own sexuality. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. But it's... So she then becomes... The character of Cass becomes involved in the this sort of quasi-documentary being made by a filmmaker who lives next door to her friend, because mm-hmm. obviously LA. And she's making this sort of what she describes as a feminist fight club with a bunch of teenage girls and it all becomes very morally dubious mm. it's just brilliant okay it's it was funny it was so modern there were some great cultural references that just made me laugh yeah i really really recommend it and I was finishing it on the train to work and I had two pages left and so I just stood on the train platform when I'd arrived at the station at work and until I'd finished it because I just couldn't I couldn't put a a book with just two pages to go back in my bag so that's We Play Ourselves by Jen Silverman and yes really really enjoyed it I think I'm falling behind by the way on my book a week goal for this year Last month was slow going. I think it's going to be tight for me.
1: I give you full permission to fall behind. That's okay.
0: I just thought I should give a bit of a progress report on that, and I don't think it's looking good at the moment, guys. But I will do my best. There's
1: still fifty-two books in a year. If if you get even close to that, you're still clearing like a really good hurdle. All right, I'm going to talk. I'm clearing. You're clearing a hurdle. Okay, I'm going to talk about um, listening. Um, I got a lot of uh recommendations from the conference you you've got recommendations for I do, and so I'm going to space them out over the next couple of months um but the one I have been uh binging or I, I guess kind of slowly binging because I listened to one episode yesterday and one episode today <laughs> um <laughs> But there are two seasons and there's about to be a television series, Is Stuff the British Stole? Oh, wow, yeah. uh, Which is produced by my audio idol, uh, Mark Fennell, uh, written by him as well. Um, And it essentially, so I heard him at the conference talk about the genesis of the project and basically it was like he and his co-host were standing in the television studio, joking, and they were talking. They'd just done something a a piece about, I think, the um the marbles. Is it the Greek marbles that are in oh, the British Museum? Yeah. And so then they started talking about how the fact that there were all these other um pieces, and that he they went, oh, there's going to be a podcast in that, like most people do when they just say something. And then he said he happened to be in London for something where it was kind of tough to justify he was there for an awards night and he thought oh do I really need to go to London for one night for an award that I know I'm gonna lose and then he thought well why don't I take my microphone and explore and go to the British Museum and see if there's anything in this idea of like what is in the British Museum and can I trace the history of these stories? Mm. Anyway, he talks about that in the first episode and they pick up this particular item and he talks to this um, art historian who has been doing kind of undercover tours of London museums where she like self-organised these tours to go and talk about like the controversial objects. Oh, wow. And she said that she had started it on the down low and by the time all the museums knew they just thought she was a private tour guide because no one actually stopped to listen to what she was actually saying and by the time the press got hold of it and started writing stories about her it was kind of too late and then all the museums like the vna and the british museum and um what's the other one the welcome collection couldn't be like no you you, you're not allowed no, to come no, in no, no, here no. anymore. No, 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 no. So she is the starting point for the series and she talks about one of her favourite artefacts and then he goes and interviews people who either have a connection or have studied the artefact or have studied the history around where the piece was taken. It's such an interesting series because I think by the title alone, Stuff the British Stole, I think that's his greatest flaw is because you assume that it's going to have a real perspective mm. on British history, but mm-hmm. it's actually quite balanced, I think. He in the two episodes that I've listened to so far, he does present the for and against and the complexity. And all of the stories are complex. You know, it's not such a it's not so straightforward as the British came, they took it, they left. Yeah. That's kind of great in the copy. But it is actually far more complicated than that. You know, there's a like the first piece. I hope I'm not doing a spoiler, but they basically talk about the fact that the only reason it survived is because it wasn't made of anything valuable. And so the British took it because they had a museum culture and India didn't. And so they said, you know, it actually would have fallen apart if the British didn't take it. But there were other more valuable items that then got taken apart because they had gold and diamonds Mm. and things. So they were destroyed. So it's kind of this really, uh, it's such an interesting story because I think there's just so many parts. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. But Mark, when he was talking about it, he also said, you know, the story of British colonialism is actually everyone who speaks English so he said, you know, none of our mm-hmm. no one who speaks English as a first language can just have a black and white opinion on it because mm. actually it's very complex and it's all of our histories combined. Mm. And so I just think like the the first two, it's been the story of a particular point in India, and then the second episode is about a particular place in Nigeria, both of which I had no idea about. Um, And so I just have found it really interesting.
0: That sounds fantastic and right up my street. I am definitely going to go and listen to that. It also has made me think of there was a segment on the news, I think it was last week on maybe RN Breakfast or something like that, uh, which is a program that's put on by the ABC for anyone who's overseas. And it was, I think, on the anniversary of the Rosetta Stone being discovered. Mm. Um, And they had a really interesting discussion on that with Where the Rosetta Stone is, where it's from, where it might be in the future and why around all of those things Mm. as well. So perhaps we'll link to that as well, um, as well as the podcast that you mentioned, because I think they sort of complement each other really nicely. That's a great recommendation, Sasha. Did you say you had another one?
1: No, I've got lots. And so I'm going to space them out over the next very wise. however many times because there will be a point where I'll be going what am I going to talk about
0: listening to uh, what have you been listening to okay so I am finally pulling out of my back pocket one that's been on my list for quite a while now in fact perhaps even I think a year was the first time I heard an episode where I thought I need to recommend this with Sasha it is the ABC's uh, podcast called Ladies We Need to Talk
1: yes Yeah.
0: Yeah but there are specific episodes that I really want to refer to in this recommendation. So for anyone overseas who's not familiar with this program, it's a 1-hour podcast that comes out I don't even think it's maybe it is weekly for each season and it's stuff that is perhaps a little bit taboo that women feel they shouldn't talk about but they really I mean, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. And it breaks down barriers. And it's really, it's really, it's just really interesting. And it's done, uh, Yumi Steins is the host. And she just Mm -hmm. approaches it in such a, she talks to all of her subjects in a really compassionate and really open-minded way. And also she brings quite a lot of humor as well as sensitivity to her subject. And I think, yeah, tonally, it's an... It's a pretty perfect podcast, I think, and a pretty perfect listen for some of the topics that it handles. But last week, the tipping point for me finally recommending this was there was an episode called Ladies, We Need to Talk About Death and about talking about death. And anyone who knows me well will know that I am absolutely obsessed with uh, death and old age, in part terrified by, but it's something that I can really spiral out on and into and get really consumed by. And so to listen to a podcast where um, they were talking to quite young people, young mums, some people were, there was one woman who was 24 and single and um, yeah, and they were all confronting their death, their imminent death. Um, They'd been given um, uh, terminal diagnoses and it was a really interesting episode to listen to. So that was why I wanted to listen to that one. But for anyone who needs a slightly lighter approach to ladies we need to talk there was an episode um a few months ago called something like things we wish and it was very um it was a heterosexual approach to this which it which it um highlights at the top of the episode but it said it was something like ladies we things that we wish men knew about sex. <laughs> and truly <laughs> I wanted to send it to everyone and anyone and immediately also felt like I couldn't, but um, I'm just going to recommend it here instead and then link it in the show notes and then you will have it available to you. So that was um, one a few months ago that was a real highlight. Um, And then the one a year ago that first really made me think about this was one called last shot pregnancy. And it was people Mm. at various stages of their fertility journey, um, Either yeah, making making that last attempt, or probably what would be their last attempts to um, get pregnant. And some people were doing it solo, some people were in couples, and they also had a fertility expert who was really interesting. And it was the first time I had heard someone talk really like a medical practitioner talk really frankly and openly also about men's fertility, because I feel like as women, especially women in our 30s, we hear this phrase like your fertility will fall off a cliff or, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and, and the biological clock. And we don't talk about um men's fertility in the same way and it is a thing and it is a thing that they should also be thinking about and be responsible for if they want to have a family so those are three episodes from the series ladies we need to talk that i would highly recommend i'm sure anyone in australia is well aware but if you are overseas you may not have heard of it
1: that's so good i love it um i've got a short sharp recommendation for my watching go because i think i've already i might have already talked about it before But I don't care. It's the good fight. It's back. She's back. Season six.
0: You have recommended Uh, it before.
1: Oh damn it! But it's the new season. It's a new season. It's the last season. It's trippy. It's weird. I love it. I I would watch Christine Voransky read my shopping list. Uh, Agree. And um, if you needed and if you listened to me recommend this last year and you went, yeah nah. Well then, here's your next. Here's the next ask to do it. And to here's be the fair, time to go, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair, you should start from season one because now I'm thinking about season one versus now and the tone is so different. And I'm not <laughs> sure I'm not sure you can jump into the latest season and quite understand why it's so surrealist and so strange. Um, because a large part of the characterization is about the fact that Diane Lockhart is kind of modeled in the, um, uh, the shape of Hillary Clinton, you know, staunch Democrat has done the right thing her whole life, has been a working woman who's put her career first and um and now the world is falling apart around her and so obviously in the first season Trump hadn't been elected and so in the last six seasons that has kind of happened um which has very much influenced the subject matter of the show but I just love it just love it
0: is it is it. it a bit of a comfort watch for you
1: no because it's new and a comfort watch for me is West Wing, okay,
0: yeah, something uh, that you which know is something
1: so that now. I've seen before, and and I just it's like turning on the show and watching my old friends. Mm.
0: Um, you just looked the, so joy, overjoyed at like, mm, yeah, it's back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's it always takes me by surprise too because it's on SBS, oh. and so it's not on something that the unsung I, hero
0: of Australian broadcasting, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not on something that I pay for and so it's not kind of advertised to the hilt. Mm. It just arrives quietly and then I go, for some reason I'll be on the SBS website. I think the same thing happened last year. I just happened to check it and then I went, oh my goodness, there's five episodes out already. It's just such a quiet... um, a quiet achiever of That's television shows. That's so true, shows. though, in how
0: we consume TV now. Because even when I go to the ABC's iView site and was like, "Oh wow, this is here." Oh, I oh oh okay. Yeah yeah yeah.
1: Oh, can I quickly give one more recommendation? You this is a couple of weeks old. May. I watched it um, on my family holiday uh, with my parents. Uh, It's on the ABC iView. I'm going with the public broadcasters tonight. It's called Muster Dogs. It's a reality TV show about five dogs that are given to different farmers around the Australian country and they all have to follow a training regime and at the end of a year they get together to see which dog is the best muster dog.
0: Oh my gosh, I love the sound of that.
1: (laughs) it's actually it's four episodes it's the most joyous television you've ever seen my whole family got addicted to it and we'd watch it we'd watch an episode every night and go oh is it time for the dogs and then i saw a kelpie out in real life and just lost it because i was so beside myself at this dog but – and then you catch yourself going, oh, gosh, they're very clever. Or, you know, you know when you watch a reality TV show and you just become very invested in the personalities of these people you don't know. And in this case, it was dogs. And I'm going, oh, look at – I can't remember their names now, but look at Annie. Um, look at Annie. Snoopy. <laughs> look at Annie. She's brilliant, isn't she? Annie is one of the dogs. Um, and Lucifer. Lucifer the <laughs> devil dog. Um yeah, and you just you are oh, so good. And it's it so I good. think it's
0: now quite rare to find a TV show that is just purely good and makes you grin ear to ear. I was saying this last night to a friend because I just watched the first episode of the new season of The Great British Bake Off. And yes,
1: it's very much in the joyous. vein of my parents joyous. also love Great British Bake Off and it's very similar. It's you know, there's small moments of heartbreak. Small Absolutely. moments when you I go, will, cry will they do it? Yeah, will they I will make cry. it? Yeah. Oh, you're going to love this show. It's on a- and so it's on ABC iView. So if you are thinking I need to cut back on my subscriptions for a little There's bit, There's
0: plenty out there. That this is a recommendation.
1: What have you been watching, Laurel? Well,
0: I went to the cinema, Sasha, and I watched something <gasps> that we have discussed oh, in yeah. our we have talked about this. So much because mm. you first, and then I. <laughs> as a result of you, were consumed by the drama mm. surrounding don't worry darling we were we absolutely yeah, I, were it's
1: it's not a character trait that i am proud of nor nor, me, I, nor I i love celebrity gossip so much
0: and i think <sighs> i was fascinated by it and i loved being in that in that rabbit hole with you yeah. but yeah. i also feel now having seen it There's no doubt in my mind that the drama has in some ways played against this film and then in other ways raised its profile so much, perhaps more than it would have done otherwise. It did not get good reviews at the Venice Film Festival, wasn't it, where it was sort of unveiled. So I had very low expectations. My expectations were also rock bottom, so that's another key factor probably in my enjoyment of this film. Plus, the night before, or two nights before, I'd gone to see a film that I thought was going to be really good and it was really disappointing. And so, anyway, so we went to see... I went to see Don't Worry Darling and I loved it. I loved the aesthetic that that I know critics had said was, like, overblown. I loved the use of the soundtrack. I didn't see... We all know that there's a twist in it. I didn't see the twist for what it was... Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought the acting was fantastic. Florence Pugh, obviously, is mind-blowing. But actually, I Ugh. thought Olivia Wilde was really good in her role as well. So, Did you think yeah. that Harry Styles uh, held his own? Yeah, he's good. Okay, okay. No cool. one is as good as Florence Pugh in that film.
1: No, but no one is as good as Florence Pugh, period. Yeah,
0: but he, <laughs> he plays his role well, and they, as a couple... Played very well, I thought. Yeah. Gemma Chan also knocked it out of the absolute oh, park. Absolutely. absolute, I love Gemma absolute Chan. knockout. Um, yeah. And so I would say if you haven't seen it yet and you are as intrigued as I was, definitely go. Definitely okay. go.
1: Basically, I could rehash our whole three months of WhatsApp <laughs> conversations with you right now, Mike, but I think i will save everyone from that. Well, yeah. Because we had so many conversations. I would say, though, that um, I fell victim to it. But I think upon reflecting on my reactions to it, there's definitely an element of sexism in her, in how Olivia Wilde has been seen to be responsible for this. When I think of like, I agree. Woody Allen you have having to agree had, had a career, yes, yeah, and and people going, yeah, he's a bit weird, but he makes great films, <laughs> and you're like. You know, there's been some real duds in there. Yeah. You know, some Woody Allen made maybe three or four good films, and the rest have just kind
0: of been churned out. On that bombshell, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. We yes. are going to now have we do little... have quick housekeeping. Yes, which is
1: that we're just going to take a little break, or it might just take a little while for the next episode to hit your feeds because Laurel is being reunited with family members from across the seas.
0: Yeah, they're coming to visit me for a little while and it will collide with when we would normally record and so that will just delay not this episode. This episode is landing in your feeds and you've listened to it and you've enjoyed it, hopefully. But um, the next episode after this will just be a little late.
1: Yes, Uh, but other than that, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can do so via our uh, Instagram, which is I'm checking it because I always forget it. It's at Three Wheeling Pod on Instagram. So just give it a search, and there'll be new tiles there about the episode, and you can share them or talk to us. We love hearing from you. Slide on into our
0: DMs. That's what I
1: say. Yes, yes, as. Harry Styles probably did for Olivia. Do that to <laughs> um, What
0: about our email, Laurel? We are threewheelingpod at gmail.com and we would love to have your correspondence. We certainly would. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.